0: Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is part two of an interview with commentator John Champion. John's career spanned many decades and he's covered many Newcastle Night games, including that famous night in Rotterdam, the 3-2 victory over Feyenoord in the Champions League. Now, if you listened to the Liverpool preview episode, the last podcast of 2020, you would have heard John speaking to Lee Ryder as he looked ahead to that game. But there was plenty of content that we left out of that episode because we didn't feel it quite fitted into a preview show there's bits about sir boy robson analysis on steve bruce's job so far and on Miguel almion and much much more as well so this is where you pop the kettle on sit back and enjoy this chat with espn amazon prime commentator john champion
1: just just sort of from your memories i mean you, you used to get well i don't know what it's like these days but sir bobby robson was always generous with his time mm. um you, you One great game I remember you commenting on was against Leeds, I think, away at the Road where Bobby Robson was up and down the track. You mentioned you go going past the Bobby Robson statue on your way and it's something you think yeah. about. What was yeah. Bobby Robson the man like to deal with from a media
2: point of view? Because I know he was quite generous, wasn't he, with, with his time. Mm. Uh, one word, uh, magnificent. Yeah. Just, yeah. just the best. Uh, always available on the other end of the phone would always tell you very much off the record, you know, what the team was going to be, if a player was carrying an injury, what the tactical thought was if someone was only going to last an hour. He would, he'd done a lot of media, which helped, but he was just so generous of spirit. And um, he would always, the, the strange thing is, where they've placed the statue outside St. James's Park, and this is going to sound horribly sentimental and a bit spooky, mm. but generally he would always ring me at about the same time. So I'd always leave a message for him before a game, maybe on the morning of a Saturday afternoon game, and he'd ring me maybe three, three hours before kickoff and give me the team. Um, and there'd always be a bit of um, repartee and conversation about my family and things. He was always interested in more than just talking about the football, which was lovely. But usually I'd be walking up that little slope where they've now put the statue. And I, I mean, I can't claim that that was the case every time, but I can remember four or five times just lingering at that spot with my mobile phone clutched against my ear, talking to Sir Bobby, finding out the team for that afternoon. And strangely, that is pretty much where the statue is now, I know it sounds odd, but it, yeah, it does, no. it, it does, it strikes a chord with me, because um, he, he was, he was great. I mean, I, I also remember being in his office after a game, I'd co-commentated with David Pleat, who was a very close friend of his, and we were very kindly invited in for a drink in his office afterwards, and it was the day, I don't know whether it was, was it when Keegan had, had finished with England, and well, the FA wanted Bobby to take over, and we were in his office right. after the game, when the call came through from the FA asking yeah. him whether he'd be prepared to take over as England manager on a on a temporary basis at that stage. So we were sort of in on little bits of history as well, like that. And he knew you were never going to say anything to anyone. But he was just, he was lovely. One of my, towards the end, when things were falling apart, when he didn't really have the backing of the board and it was clearly heading in the wrong direction, I had to do a very difficult interview with him, which actually made the Bobby Robson documentary. Um, oh, wait, that was yeah. a wonderful film. And I... I I first watched it on a transatlantic flight and I'd never seen the interview back and they played the little bit where I said to him before, look, I'm going to have to ask you some difficult questions here but this will look silly if I don't ask them and he said, well, you ask, you ask what you want. It is discomfort having to, to, to answer them and I still feel uncomfortable looking back at that that I had to, I mean, professionally I did but I had to put him in that position because he'd been always so wonderful to me.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Looking at Steve Bruce, I mean, you, you have commented on games when he was a player um, mm. at Manchester United. Yeah. The Newcastle fans, they've been quite patient, I think, um, with him. Um, but it's almost like today, people are talking about managerial change. But where, the new, where would Newcastle go from here? Steve Bruce is a steady
2: hand mm. on the tiller, isn't he? Yeah. Andy And he A knows and B obviously loves the club. And he's got a course and distance record in the Premier League with sides without huge resources. So I know you look at Newcastle and you think, the frustration is, isn't it, always, that if you were to be asked to nominate the club with the greatest untapped potential in the Premier League, I think most neutrals would say Newcastle United. Because if the right ownership got hold of it, the sky's the limit. The right ownership hasn't yet got hold of it for whatever reason. Maybe it will before too long. Who knows? But until that point comes, you know, Steve Bruce is... I describe Bobby Robson as magnificent in terms of what he's like to deal with the, for the media and in terms of being a human being. Steve Bruce is in a similar category. Yeah. You know, he, I don't know whether Newcastle fans get that or care about that, but mm. he is a, a really solid citizen, a, a proper human being, mm. the sort of fellow that will go out for a few beers and fish and chips on a Friday night.
1: Yeah. There
2: are no airs and graces about him. I've always found him to be very straightforward, very warm and very caring. And uh, I think he is with his players as well. And I acknowledge the frustrations, but I just think there has to be an air of realism about this, that mm. Newcastle are probably about where they should be at the moment,
1: yeah. given
2: the resources available to them. And sadly, you know, occasionally you'll get a lightning in a bottle moment where in one particular season, a group of players will come together more through luck than judgment, and you'll you'll perform way above yourselves. But the instances of, of that in the modern Premier League, you could probably count on the fingers of one if, maybe two hands, but probably one hand in, in the recent past. You know, Leicester City being prime among them. But it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So all you can hope is to have a steward for your club who cares about them, who isn't just there to take the cash and has got some sort of long-term vision, if he's given long-term, of how he wants the whole club to proceed. And I think Steve's got that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so just, just sort of finally to, to add mm. up, um, you talk about your work in the States. Um, mm. We've got Miguel Almirón.
2: I think he was he was just arriving at Newcastle when I think you were heading over. He was introduced the night of my last game. I think he he, he was he was signed that night, effectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what's sort of your thoughts on on him as
1: a player? Um, he's he's had ups and downs. Yeah. Um, Certainly a fan favourite if you give him less than 7 out of 10 in the newspaper. You get a bit, you get a bit of criticism.
2: Um, so, I mean, what's your what's your verdict on, on him overall? Um, I think there's more to come. Yeah, I, I mean, he came at quite a young age and he didn't have that much first team football under his belt at Atlanta. And obviously it's a different standard. Um, I think he's he's sort of in the vanguard of a lot of good young players who are now arriving in Europe from Major League Soccer because... The idea that we have in the UK is that it's a retirement home for aging European professionals. And yes, it was for many years. But the business model's changed now, and it's now a place where the best young South American players are going as a stepping stone to Europe. So Almiron was in the vanguard of that. There are other players, uh, arguably better than Almiron, who will be making that journey over the next year or two. Um, And I think it's going to become an increasingly viable place for Premier League teams to go and, and shop. Uh, the Bundesliga are already finding that. You look at people like Weston McKennie playing regularly for Juventus in the Champions League, Tyler Adams at Leipzig, obviously Pulisic when he's fit at Chelsea. There is this group of young American players who are finally making a bit of a breakthrough and who genuinely are good enough to play as young players in the pre- in the Premier League. So I think you're going to see more and more of them. But Almiron, I think two years from now, we'll be looking at a different Almiron because at the moment he's, he's lightning quick, but the brain isn't always engaged. But I, I, I think... You know, Steve Bruce, I know is working on that side of him, uh, and others will as well. And I, I think it's just a case of reaching an age of mature of footballing maturity, with him, and he becomes much more effective with that. Yeah, it's those two
1: things sort of coming together to make that player, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other uh, the other Newcastle link with America is uh, every time I switch on the telly, I hear Ray Hudson commentating. <laughs> so there's, there's just no escape. He's uh, he's he's the most. Uh, literal commentator, I think I've ever heard, but he's got a wonderful way with words. yeah And st- still, like, l- sounds like he lives in Newcastle with the a- with the accent. So he's been, I think, he's been in Florida forty three years now.
0: Thanks to John Champion for joining us on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's much appreciated. Lovely to hear those tales of Sir Boy Robson. Always nice to recall those stories about the great man he's dearly missed and what a legend of Newcastle Night he remains. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can catch up with all the latest Newcastle Night news. There's a lot of Interesting stuff over there. We've got an interview with Nacho Gonzalez, one of the players who has the unfortunate title of being one of the arrivals to Newcastle under Dennis Wise, which singled the end of Kevin Keegan's second coming. We've got updates on the Gulf Corporation Council as the blockade imposed on Qatar, led by Saudi Arabia, comes to an end. Yes, the Gulf crisis seemingly has come to a positive conclusion. Lots of chat about what that might mean for the Newcastle takeover. Got a bit of analysis on our website on that. And there's plenty of our stuff as well with rumors of a loan deal potentially for what do we go, Vilka as well. As interest in a midfielder will still boost strength in this January. And if so, is the midfield the priority? And plenty more that you should read and discuss. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please remember to like and to subscribe from wherever you get your podcast from.